Hello, you're listening to the Mag Culture podcast recorded right here in the Mag Culture shop, Clerkenwell, London. I'm Jeremy Leslie. And I'm Liv Siddall. Welcome to the Mag Culture podcast. How are you, Liv? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, Jeremy? I'm very well. Very well. Busy. Yes. Lots just been. We've done lots of events with the flat plan. We did... Um, our first event at the Hotson, we'll be doing more of those. But And Mod Mag in New York is upcoming. Yes, just around the corner. Yeah. And we've got like a million things to talk about Absolutely. today. Absolutely. We've Do got a podcast ahead of us. come a time where there's just no magazines to talk about on this podcast? I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> You'll imagine, be out of business. So, yeah, yeah, so get the point. So, so what's been happening? Uh, <laughs> nothing. Um, we'll have to do loads of back issues. Yes. That's yeah, fine. So people love back issues. People love collecting them. They do, yeah. you included. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Have, have you got a lot of back issues? Do you? I do, but they're kind of scattered all over the place. And a bit like a bit like sort of um, books, I, I tend to sort of leave them places or lend them to people and then I sort mm-hmm. of never get them back or I sort of, I don't know. But no, I, I think my collection is actually not, not huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine we've already talked about your collection but and it's all around us at the moment. But um, I suppose it leads us on to actually our first topic... Funnily enough, nice it segue. Does, it does. Uh, which is a fantastic piece on the New Yorker, or in the New Yorker, uh, about a magazine collector called Vince Aletti, who's in New York. And he used to be a photography critic and curator, perhaps still is actually. And he lives in an, an enormous East Village apartment, uh, and he has done since the 70s. And he's got around ten to 20,000, he thinks, magazines. It's quite a vague in, number, isn't it? In, in his apartment <laughs> surrounding him. And it's just a oh, what a magnificent feature on the New Yorker. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's, the piece is by Rachel Syme, who's a terrific writer, and it's accompanied by beautiful photographs of mm-hmm. Aletti's flat, which is by photographer Matthew Leafheit. It's just pictures of his apartment, which is just this incredible building, but then just filled with you can imagine just like towering stacks of magazines. It describes it well, doesn't it? it and it describes it, it very well. Yeah. yeah, it's it's perfect. You can almost smell it. Slightly, yeah, it's like the aging print and yeah, you can kind of smell it and you can kind of imagine it kind of toppling. But interestingly, in the piece, Rachel writes uh, that it's not actually kind of. I imagine people who have got kind of and they've got kind of like a hoarding thing within mm-hmm. them. Maybe the cleanliness isn't always uh, at the top of their list in terms <laughs> of priorities. But uh, I want to read out a piece, a, a, a sort of a segment from the piece. Uh, by Rachel. Aletti's apartment, which I visited on a recent afternoon, is in a state of what one might call controlled chaos. It is not a hoarder's apartment per se. There are no surprise dead animals lurking in corners. No fear that an ancient cup of yoghurt might roll out from under a sofa. There is nary a dust bunny in sight. But it is the apartment of a person with a lot of issues, <laughs> in the most literal sense. Aletti cohabits with thousands and thousands of magazines. His guesstimate, 10,000 easily, could be double that. They are piled everywhere, in the front hallway, in the living room, in the dining room, in the bedrooms and closet, next to the shower, everywhere. So, yeah, I mean, what an what a fantastic mm-hmm. man, what, a, what an incredible guy. And, and, this he's, piece and he's still is just, adding to his collection, isn't he? It's, it's building, he gets them, he's buying them on eBay. Yeah, it's mad. He says yeah. that he buys about, uh, I think it's 10 to 20 mm-hmm. new issues per month. Uh, Rachel writes that every week he migrates a new issue to the top of one of the stacks near a small grey love seat in the living room. He says that looking at, at that keeps the eye fresh. So he's obviously Control still collecting. Control yeah, chaos, yeah. 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 But what an extraordinary man and what an extraordinary mm-hmm. apartment. And God, I would love to go and rootle around in there. Maybe we should try and get in touch when we're in New York. I think we definitely should. And go should. rootling. Yeah, if he'll let us put um, our gloves on. But, I but it's, it's all very well having a collection, though. You've got to do something with it. And he has done something with it. Yeah. Apart from pile them up and curate them to some degree. He's, he's, bought, he's put them together into a book. Yes, a brilliant new book. Do you want to um, talk about that for a minute? That's yeah, no, well, it is, it's, uh, it's a new book by, uh, from Fiden um, based on the fashion magazines that uh, Aletti has collected. Uh, it's a heavyweight tome. It's, it's, 
flickable like a magazine in that it's a softback rather than a hardback. Uh, and it's it's a sort of history of fashion photography, and it goes you know it's, it goes all the way back Irving Penn and the classics. It's got Bruce Weber, then up and Jamie Morgan in the face, up to Nick Knight, Wolfgang Tillmans, and, and a lot of more contemporary stuff. But what's brilliant about it is, and if I peel it open, is that it's not the photography; it's photographs of the magazines. Yeah, that, so that it's really actually, does. So it's about print and about the magazines rather than about beautiful renditions of the photographs. So they're all they, you can they're, they're aging. They're yellowing around the edges, and they're they're physical items. And it's photography in situ rather than photography as art on the wall. Or it in does frames. make such a difference, doesn't it? And also just seeing the layout of the pages. And you're right, mm-hmm. seeing seeing crinkled paper or seeing yellowed paper edges just makes such a huge difference yeah. to how you experience the pictures from these magazines. If if the if this book was just filled with fashion photographs, you're right, it wouldn't. It would just be a kind of book of it, it would, fashion photography rather than a book yeah. about magazines. So and when when there's a front cover, you've got the logo across the top and the headlines across it, etc. So it's, it's photography in use in real life rather than kind of sectioned off. That book really is. It's a great book. It's a lovely book. It's a a gorgeous book. Definitely have a look at that if anyone um, fancies a massive book about magazines on their coffee table. And actually very readable as well. You're right. A a softback book that big um, is, is kind of nice. But a lot of people we know, or people we know of, have archives. Well, right? gradually we're learning more and more people that collect magazines. There's, I mean, there's lots of people who have small collections of some sort or another, and, and that's one thing. But there are big collections. There's the Hyman Archive, obviously, here in London, which yeah. has just found a new home and a new backer. And uh, it's very interesting um, keeping an eye on what they're doing as they grow their collection. They, they want to digitise it all, and they actively are doing so. Uh, we've both been to in Munich. We went to see Horse Moses' collection. I haven't actually been to his collection, but I've met him, uh-huh. um, and he's a, this hilarious character. But I, he gave a talk um, when I was at a conference mm-hmm. at uh, I can't remember where it was, but he was talking about his collection and showing it, and, and that is mm-hmm. beautifully um, organised, isn't it? Like it's very no, 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 it's the opposite. I thought it was no, it was like quite well. I thought uh, uh, maybe. Compared, compared to what I know of many other hoarders or yeah. magazine art, like uh-huh. hoarders, a bit like Aletti, yeah. who have it in piles around their house yeah. and they're sort of like perhaps creatures living within uh-huh. the piles. I felt like Horse's collection was actually quite well organized. Okay, well either he's got there was a system. There was a, okay. at least a system. Okay. <laughs> well, I visited the warehouse and I, uh, <laughs> and I, it, 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 I mean it could it, it could be. I mean we I was with several other people and we were all saying to him, "You've got to sort this out. You've got to get it systemized and into some sort of control because it was just like plastic bags full of magazines piled on top of shelves and it's a, it's a, it's a warehouse he, he rents for the purpose but it was full of magazines fantastic collection for as far as you could tell but you couldn't access it or gotcha. you could, couldn't walk down the aisles between the shelves there were piles of magazines yeah which is you know both fabulous and terrifying yeah <laughs> When I met him, I was making Rough Trade magazine and, and he, he came up to me and he was like, oh, please, can you send me all of the back yeah, yeah, issues yeah. For, for my collection? And I was like, yeah, yeah, and, and I forgot to do it. And then he sent me a very angry email like, where's my magazines? Because he was, I, I realised then how desperate he was to have, I mean, his collection is so dear to him, like yeah. he needs to have them coming in. And yeah, yeah. the fact that I'd forgotten, he was obviously thinking about that, like need to get them in the collection, which is just, a, the, I love yeah. that kind of true collector spirit where it's Well, I, I really hope mad. he is getting the collection together and into order because the more, the more of these collections, the, the better. Yeah. Also, a uh, quick shout out to Vin Mag in yeah. Homerton, which is well worth a visit if you can. Um, that's anyone in uh-huh. London. That's a really, really great collection. And then up in Edinburgh, there's the International Magazine Centre, which is being planned by the Professional Publishers Association, by the Scottish branch of that, the PPA. 
uh, which should be an archive, a museum, a shop, an event space, etc. And then there's my friend Samir, uh, Samir Husney, Mr. Magazine, as he's known, in Mississippi, who uh, I'm actually visiting next week to speak at this conference, but he collects, he collects the first editions of magazines, so he has a vast collection of issue one of every magazine he can get hold of. So no issue twos? No issue twos, no issue threes, no issue... But he, he wants the launch issue of all these magazines. Wow. Which is an interesting point, because as we as discussed last time, some quite often a magazine doesn't really come into its own until issue whatever I mean issue one is not necessarily the one you might want but yeah that is quite a strange way of and yet it's the first issue so there is a uniqueness to it Mm. yeah I really like that I'm interested to see uh, what that conference is like too sounds great just going back to uh, the the piece about Vince Aletti uh, he used to get a lot of his magazines from the Gallagher's magazine store in New York which was uh, I visited once and was in a basement somewhere I think about midtown and that really was just a kind of underground cellar with kind of endless little tunnels and rooms and extra rooms and cupboards and just packed with magazines. And that was almost, they were almost, they weren't rotting, but they were almost like musty yeah. and smelly, like a kind of a bit grubby. jumble cellar, a bit grubby. But they had everything in there. And I remember visiting that and thinking, oh, I can come back to this. They can always come back. But no, it closed, unfortunately. Uh, I wonder what happened to all the magazines, no? I don't know. Well, they were trying to do something with Visionaire and, and V magazine. They had some sort of store downtown where they were selling some of the more mm. interesting ones, I think. But I don't know what happened. Maybe, maybe some of them ended up with Vince. Yes, perhaps, probably. All of these kind of projects, and, and indeed Vince's book kind of are there at, almost as research tools there you know I think there's a tendency to look back at magazines and, and look look at them for inspiration and no more so than in fashion fashion eats itself the whole time yeah and that's what that's exactly what the first of our new magazines this time around has specialized in with their issue Buffalo Zine's ninth issue is out now and it's um it's looking really closely at, 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 the, at the tendency to copy stroke research stroke be influenced by the past yeah, and they're really, they've really gone to they've town really gone on that concept. They've really gone for it, they've really gone for it. So you, people who are listening it probably might have seen on social mm-hmm. media um, some of the, the covers that Buffalo Zoon have made, but they've made ten covers, yes. is that right? Ten covers uh, which have meticulously uh, parodied or copied. I don't really know if it's... It's kind of a bit of both. Um, some of the most famous magazines in publishing. So, for instance, they've parodied The Gentleman, Fantastic Man, Purple, mm-hmm. System, November, Zero, Three, Two, C... Dazed, yeah. ID, yeah. Um, what else? Arena Homplu and... Did you say double? No, double. There you go. But there's ten of them. There's and, ten and, of them. And, and they're, re- they're really, really lovingly crafted copies of the originals. Yeah, they're pretty um, perfect, aren't they? The, the ten issues are the same magazine, they've just got different covers. And, and they, they get it very right. But then there, you know, you get this situation like the gentlewoman. I mean, the gentlewoman logo. I mean, you get you can get get very detailed about this. But the gentlewoman logo is such because it's so beautifully centred. The word "the" above gentlewoman is yeah. so carefully crafted. And yet, of course, once you have the buffalo zine, it's just off centre. It so it just work. all goes wrong. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, the care with which they copied the typography and the way that they talk about the issue number and. <laughs> Everything is just is just so it's brilliant. Yeah, it's perfect. It's, it's very funny. And that would be good enough if that's as far as it went. But the issue itself is outstanding inside as well. So they've got this front cover. It's a, it's a great game. It's it's interesting. I mean, they they did these covers without without telling the magazines they were going to do them. And um, the response apparently to the mag to 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 the 
to the covers from the magazines themselves has been very positive. It's been good. Yeah, yeah. But and I, and I can imagine it's, it's almost. Uh, I can imagine there are some magazine makers out there who thought who are sort of thinking, oh, why didn't they choose mine? Why aren't they parody mine? Why why aren't I part of the gang? Yeah, I can imagine. I think I think it's it's been done very respectfully, and it's just I think it's I think it's quite high praise to be yeah, have someone absolutely. Co- <laughs> have someone well, do it, especially have but a part of it is doing it so well, isn't it? It's doing yeah, it with exactly. such care, and there is obvious love and respect in it. It's not it's not a cheap pastiche. It's a really really carefully crafted. Yeah, and as we were we were saying before, like in any kind of parody, it's just doing that. It's doing it to that extra level of detail that makes it that makes yeah. it work. If yeah. you, if it's kind of done in a bit kind of in a haphazard or slapdash way, it just it's, it comes across so badly. But I think that's why it's so funny. It's because it's been done with such detail and yeah. it's so cheeky. Yeah, yeah. And there's very rarely cheekiness. I think. In, we in, need cheekiness in the modern world. I think uh, cheekiness and silliness. There's a big kind of... Um, and and Buffalo, of Buffalo's in have excelled themselves at being cheeky and sh- the shape-shifting they do every issue, they, they change the format, they change everything. And this is... Pr- the, the cover is the funniest, cleverest thing I think they've done. Yeah. But the best thing about it is that it's then backed up by the, in- the inside. The content is fantastic from beginning to end. It really is. I mean, I've just been through the magazine and, you know, there's just some, there's some great people in there. There's, there's a piece here, just, just who exactly is Maurizio Catalan? And it's an amazing interview with him uh, in which, because he's a kind of like one of the, one of, they call him the, um, the art world's most elegant prankster. For many years, he camouflaged himself behind a decoy, a false version of himself who posed as him and attended talks and gallery openings. And they talked to him about about copying, and they asked him, "Do you remember the first thing you ever copied?" And he said, "I'm pretty sure I tried to imitate my mum's breath." <laughs> <laughs> but then he goes on to say, "But when I was in school, my teacher used to say that there are many forms of intelligence, but one thing in all of them, one thing all of them have in common is the ability to find or create connections between different subjects. Can you imagine how many beautiful things an intelligent tailor could create, cutting and sewing what already exists in the world?" All the questions in the issue and all the people in the issue have been chosen around this theme, and it all just ties together so beautifully. And there's even there's just you know that's quite that's quite a serious example of people talking about um, mm-hmm. about copying and about kind of parodying. But there's even these kind of uh, photo comic photo shoots. One of them sort of like a, a kind of like a teen high school rom com situation uh, about cheating in an exam. There's just loads of really sweet things where everything's kind of tied together. Sometimes sometimes in quite like a hammy way, and sometimes mm-hmm. in a really subtle way. But that's what Buffalo does so well is just kind of mixing that. That really obvious with the really subtle and always keeping that cheekiness throughout. And this issue is just... Yeah, and then... But they balance... It's so much more than just a joke. There's a lot of wit and humour. Yeah, exactly. It's so much more... There's some very... There's a series of um, quite serious Q&As with various creative people about the art of copying and and how they regard it. Uh, and, And that's... Presented very straight, but next to it, they've um, re- reproduced a screen grab of a, of a Google image search for that person. <laughs> so and, 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 and so you get you get various. Uh, there's the, um, Julius Weidemann, the um, uh, editor of design and pop culture at Tashem Books. Uh, they've they've searched for him and they've got some of his books, some some various pictures of him from various parts of eras of his career, various ages and stuff. And it's it's just. A, a great a good sort of idea. sense of you know a wrap up of, of career stroke self worth and there's you know there's actually surprising little random stuff. I don't know whether they've edited it or not, it or not. But it's a lovely way of illustrating that piece and, yeah. and, and talking about how we research and how how we find stuff and the sort of you know the re- repetitive nature of imagery. Did you say that you said that zero three two C magazine posted on their Instagram their thank you note to wait the the message that Buffalo Zine sent yeah. them with the magazine because I think none of the magazines knew this was happening until it literally landed on their desks. Is yes, that right? that's right, that's right. And and they did um, they they they've proudly published the um, 
the Buffalo Zine version of their cover, and, they, and they've um, copied the note that Buffalo Zine sent with it to them, and it reads, um, This issue is a little essay on originality and other topics around it, such as copy, reference, and inspiration. Something far from new, the eternal debate in the creative field. For the covers of the issue, we decided to copy, reference, pay tribute to several independent publications we like and we thought that have a distinctive style suitable to be emulated. Hope you receive it with joy and humour since it's coming from deep love and respect. And it's a lovely quote and you can see why no yeah, one's going so to get, nice. their, get, get their back up over being, um, over being treated with such respect. Yeah, exactly. Are there any magazines that you wish they had... Um Included in there. Well, as I say, I th- I'm sure there's lots of magazines out there th- wishing they had been included. Yeah. I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, it's an interesting choice. They're all fashion magazines, of course. They're all sort of smaller, independent. Probably the biggest ones are Arena on Plus and Dazed. Mm. Um, but otherwise, it's it's the ones I think you would pick. I mean, I'd lo- I'd love to see them go further afield. I'd love to have seen an Apartamento, maybe, or yes. you know. But that no, that's not fashion the same way. So they, they've stuck to their. Area. I think that might get trickier if they moved out of fashion. Because they're yeah. obviously very well respected as a team, and I think we should, we must just just credit the you know Adrian David, the editorial and creative team behind it, and a special nod to Liam, who's who's the features editor, who's done all all that fantastic content, yes, um, or, or overseen that. It's it's it's, it's a uh, a great issue. One other thing to add to all of that is that you know in terms of kind of the the act of copying and the act of inspiration that is so kind of fluid in fashion, there is a shoot reproduced at the back of the issue by Lee Jenkins, which was originally published in uh, Vogue Italia 20 years ago. And they have re- uh, re- republished that shoot verbatim and then asked five contemporary photographers to use that shoot as an inspiration and then published th- those five shoots. Yeah, so Which beautiful. is, a, again, a more serious approach. It's a more serious take on the subject, but it's a really interesting uh, insight into the way fashion has changed, but also into the way technology has changed. Yeah. Because the, re- the current ones are much more technologically uh, involved than 20 years ago when it was more, all about getting the right... Well, in the first... Getting the right location and, 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 and making the effort to shoot it live. Now a lot of them are kind of manipulated. Yes, because the theme of the shoot is people is models being lifted, yeah, isn't that yeah, right? So yeah. they're kind of floating. Yeah. But in the new iteration in Buffalo Zine, they're kind of... A lot of them are Photoshop. You can sense there's a lot of yes. photoshopping and removal of parts. Yeah, and that's a kind of theme that runs through the whole issue, actually. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of manipulation. There's a lot of very weird faces that you think, is that <laughs> someone's face? Or maybe that is that a computer face? I don't really know. Yes, yeah, nudging towards the day's beauty in some of the extremes yeah, yeah, that we talked is. about last time. Very much. So... Yeah, that kind of talking about this and, and having looked through the issue was getting us talking about uh, other parodies that have happened. I think parodies in, in publishing has been, mm-hmm. I mean, it happens all the time. I mean, especially in, well, there's there's a lot in, in book publishing. There's a kind of like the, those really famous Enid Blyton books, like Five Go yeah. Vegan or whatever, yeah. which are kind of plays on those <laughs> old books and they get very popular for a while. Or there's, you know, there's loads of things like that that kind of yeah. have a bit of a moment. But I think in magazine publishing, we actually made quite a, a long list of things and we kind of run through them really quickly. But I mean, Diet Prada was one of our first, that's not really an independent magazine, but in terms of their Instagram, they're kind of always calling things out and they're yeah. always kind of yeah. uh, focusing. I mean, their, their kind of whole reason for being is, is, is just to kind of call out copycats, yeah. which is hilarious and very naughty and very enjoyable, very very in a kind of very delicious way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one of my favourite magazines of all time, Playboy, which is the copy of Playboy, which is all about pigs. There is Manzine, which we mentioned before, yeah. which uh, kind of sends up um, 
they've done various Mr. Uh, Porter, I think, in, in Fantastic, Fantastic Man. Fantastic Man, Mr. Porter, Monocle. I mean, yeah. again, very naughty yeah. and very cheeky and very on the nose sometimes. Uh, Mush Pit always kind of referencing old girls' magazines and kind of doing nods to stuff like Cosmo There's, and Viz. Viz. Your favourite Viz. Obviously. I actually brought an example to show you because Viz kind of, even though Viz is very much its own thing, they do these kind of big features in which they kind of parody the big features you get in the Daily Mail or the Sun, uh, where they do big, long form stories about utter nonsense. This one here is Girls Allowed, Girls Allowed Nicola Discovers a Whole New Country. Nautical Nick Finds New Landmass. Girls Allowed Star Nicola Roberts surprised fans yesterday when she'd announced that she had discovered a new country. Just stuff like that. So. Veer's always parodying kind of at yeah. the red tops. Uh, it's fantastic. Good to be silly. I guess Fantastic Man has elements of parody in its language. Yeah, from the beginning, it's, I mean, its written language has parodied um, kind of 50s women's mags in how it treats people yeah. and treats the people it's dealing with. Yeah, in quite a, in quite a clever way. And it's quite, quite arch. Yes, exactly. As well, in the latest issue of The New Yorker, which actually won't be the latest when this podcast goes out, there is a cartoon by Amy Kurzweil, uh, which is a front cover of an illustrated magazine called Grandma Digest, and the features of which are... <laughs> Who called? Who never calls? What's in the freezer? It's half a loaf of rye bread. Top 10 pieces of furniture to wrap in plastic. And fun quiz, when are you getting married? Page 12. Fantastic cartoon. Lovely. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of other parodies we were thinking about, but obviously if you can think of any other ones, get in contact. Before we leave parodies altogether, I think we've also just got the knowledge there is a point when parody just becomes an absolute rip-off. And there yeah. has been some great examples of this, but the one that comes to mind is... Um, uh, I, I love Good Trouble, the big, uh, big broad, uh, broadsheet that uh, Rod Stanley publishes. Um, and there was an Australian copy of it. A, a surf magazine redesigned itself and copied the design of the front cover... Of, what, Richard of, Tarley's design? ...of Good Trouble, to the point of being identical. Really? Which is just so absurd. Which is, there's no sense of of logic in terms of the content or the world, the context that they're both working in. Some, whoever designed it just saw good trouble and thought, I like that, and copied it. That's so weird when that happened. Um, and they we'll, think they're we'll, never we'll, going to get rumbled, got, but they we'll, always we'll will. We'll pop it on the, on the website, on the journal, alongside this podcast, to show the, the two of them to. What, are you going to call them out? They've been called out. I mean, this is you know this has been okay. online a little bit, but in case no one's seen it, uh, it's just extraordinary. And of course, also you, you know you can't avoid the fact that there are, you know, there we talk about it a, a bit a bit here. There's a you know there is a there's a certain thing you know there's a there's a look. For instance, Apartamento magazine has a way that it presents itself on the front cover with the typography and the lowercase bold serif face, and that's become a thing in yeah. independent magazines, and it's like. Get over it. Go and do your own thing. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it make make it your own. Oh, and uh, we but we can't we can't finish parodies without one one final thing, and that is um, uh, the artist Joseph Ernst, who has worked in various um, publishing publishing projects, um, parodying magazines, and, and one particular favourite of mine from a little while back is that he took a, a, an entire issue of Loaded magazine, the the now defunct um, Lad Mag, deceased Lad Mag, mm. defunct. I think I it, was, it became defunct and then deceased. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, he just has, has reproduced the entire issue on white paper with a sentence on each page describing what was on that page. That's so and good. It, and it's such a simple and clever analysis of a magazine, which at the time was at its pomp, I think. it was. So you've got... Um, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, the, 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 the front cover of it says naked woman covered in glitter and words. <laughs> and then all the way throughout it, you've got advert featuring three DVDs and words. Car crash victims with words. 
Woman walking down marble staircase in underwear with words. Same woman, same bikini, no words, etc. <laughs> uh, and it's a, it's a really clever, simple analysis of, of, of what the magazine was doing at the time. That's such a beautiful, simple object. It's mm-hmm. the kind of thing that everyone will probably look at. Which I, I did anyway and just think, I wish I had done that. It's just so... Yeah. So simple. And you looked it up online and apparently it's worth quite a lot of money now, isn't it? It is, so, it is. Well so done. Hands off. A goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Goes missing from the uh, studio. <laughs> I think that's all we've got time for in this section. So join us after the break to find out about some new issues and magazines we've got this month. London Printers Park Communications are a key part of the independent publishing scene, helping ambitious magazine makers make their dreams a reality. Over the past year, they've printed over 120 different magazines. Park offer a wide range of services to make your magazine stand out in a shop like MagCulture. Check out the new issue of Beauty Papers to see how different paper stocks and different page sizes can add character to a magazine. Just like Mag Culture, Park Communications love magazines and we're proud to have them sponsor this podcast. So welcome back. Uh, we're going to have a look at some of the new arrivals here recently. So what have you got there? This is a magazine that I came across today, uh, which is... It's, it's carrying just, on the theme. We can't get away from parody. It's carrying on the theme of parody. <laughs> I don't think a magazine could have been designed to appeal to me more. It's called the South London Review of Hand Dryers. Uh, as a resident of South London and a lover of hand dryers and a lover of parody, I just don't think anything could be more perfect. It's volume one, number one, uh, and it's a very mysterious magazine. We don't know much about it. I think they are um, quite purposefully keeping themselves... Um, yeah, very anonymous. Yes, very anonymous. They have some good um, names, though. They've invented they have, yeah. some names. So in the uh, contribute in the kind of colophon area, we have Boss Man, Wedgley Snipes, Managing to Edit, Charlie Tolomash, Sentence Cleaners, Olivia Max Olivia, Cecile Mound, Senior Mum, Annette Bending, Digital Thoughts, R.C. Neal, <laughs> <laughs> Vice Chancellor of Similes, Robert Mc... No, marmalade um, log twerp handsome Janet <laughs> tea and coffee but, by Luke Warm taking so, so, out the bins this week Richard Bummer <laughs> so, so what have we got so, so this, this, is, this is the London Review of Books but, so we're not looking at books we're looking at hand dryers so. it's, a, it's, a, it's a perfect mm. collection of reviews of hand dryers in and around South London uh, by people who are kind of writing in this in this very uh, wanky over the top way, <laughs> it's so good. Have, with you, a, have you had the opportunity to visit any of these hand dryers? Well, I have been kind of going through trying to work out. I mean, there are a few pubs that I think I've been to, but now I'm going to be even more inclined mm-hmm. to go and visit the, the ones featured in this magazine. They obviously are really loving, um, kind of uh, sending up slash celebrating James Dyson. Uh, there's a fantastic photo of him on the back page looking through a little hairdryer he's designed Uh, and it's printed by Newspaper Club and it's a perfect object and it's just great well done anyone who made that and I want to see some more I just want to. I think banal things being reviewed is probably one of my favourite things ever. So, and great. in passing, we should also. Uh, I also have to mention. I had an email this week uh, from the Dyson company uh, announcing they're they're launching. They are launching a magazine, a Dyson yeah. magazine called On. Yeah. What do you um, reckon that's going to be about? Wind. <laughs> <laughs> is it going to be a load of hot no, air? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not wind, is it? That's the whole thing. 
What is it it's then? It's air that moves without without causing wind. Gotcha. Or, or if I just succumb <laughs> to the advertising. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we'll see. What, we, we might revisit that. We might not. In the meantime, that's a lovely magazine. Yeah, it's very good. Um, what else have we got? I wanted to highlight, literally hot off the press, uh, is the, the third issue of Failed States. And we were talking last time about third issues, and here we are with the third issue. Yeah, it's lovely. Uh, of this. Um, each each one is, is, is themed. This is Refuge. And I just wanted to draw attention to one particular piece there. It's... it's, 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 a, it's a mix of submissions and commissions from various creators, writers, artists. Uh, but uh, Felix Bazalgette's uh, little section in here is really charming. It's a it's sort of part of the research project towards a, a larger book project that, he, that, he, that he's putting together. But it looks at the West London suburb of um, Harmonsworth. Mm. And it looks at it from the point of view of it being a refuge. And it's both a refuge from the big city, because it is kind of very suburban and very quiet, although it is right next to um, Heathrow. Ah. <laughs> uh, and it's one of the places that will be bulldozed if, if they build the third r runway. So it's kind of, it, it's known and unknown. And it's, but for the people that live there, it's in one sense a refuge. But it is also home to a great big refugee centre, being no so way. near the airport. So you've got this kind of conflict between two very different, types of refuge on one little village yeah, that is fascinating and the of, idea of, that of a, the UK. a kind of an area has such a kind of like a time limit on it or a potential time limit mm -hmm. on it yeah very yeah. interesting uh, um, but that's just one of one of many um excitements in, the, in that issue and i'm delighted to uh, present that but also kind of also looking forward <laughs> to taking a closer look uh, elsewhere, I've got Gusher magazine, which is a great Australian magazine edited by Isabella Trimboli and Juliet de Younger. It's rock and roll as told by women. And the latest issue has Kathleen Hanna on the front. Um, and Mag Culture's Thea Smith chose it as magazine of the week on the website and gave it a really well-written write-up in which she said, Gusher is effortless in its diversity, editorial style and design, which all helps to achieve its goal of queering rock and roll. And it's just great. It's really fantastic put together. It's got great people in it, great articles, amazing commissioning, and it's just one of the best music mags out there, I reckon, at the moment. Mm -hmm. And well done to them for making it, even though it doesn't come out very often. It just feels I think, like... I think it's annual, yeah. It's annual, yeah. 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 But just well so worth great. Look. And I re can I talk about another one? Yes. I really want yes. to talk about Editorial yeah. Magazine, which is in number 19, issue 19. Can't believe that. Talking about fun and humour and cheekiness, this is... Yeah, perfect. Uh, it's a magazine made by Montreal artist Claire Milbrath. Uh, and it's just got a great collection of contributors. It's kind of mad. I feel like reading this magazine, it's kind of, it's got a little bit of day's beauty, hasn't it? It's mm -hmm. kind of surreal. It's got a little bit of mush pit, a little bit of gusher. It's got a little bit of loads of stuff. It's kind of, it's a little bit like an old girls magazine mixed with mm -hmm. something much more surreal. When I'm reading it, and I, I don't like being high, but when I read it, I feel like I am <laughs> slightly high. Like nothing yes. quite makes sense. Yeah. And, Everything's just on the borderline of, of, of sort of... It, it doesn't follow any rules whatsoever, does it, in no. terms of design or magazine making? or And yet it's full. It's full of weird imagery. And even the imagery, though, is strange and curious, but it's yeah. not... It sort of feels like it's all... It's almost like a scrapbook. It's been found rather than created. Yeah, but, and you feel, like, created. you feel like... You feel very confused, but you're having a really good time. Also, I really just... I'm just really into the interviews in it. There's a, there's an interview uh, here with uh, Wise Blood, who is a fantastic artist who's got a new record out, Natalie uh, Mering. And the questions for the interview are just great. What's been the scariest moment of your life? What's scarier, having a baby or not having a baby? When you die, will you become a ghost? Would you rather date Satan or God? She chooses God, because in the end, he's got the most interest in my long-term well-being, <laughs> uh, even though Satan's probably fun. 
Uh, I mean, it's just it's just so well put together, and there's a really also there's a good bit by one of the contributing editors, Kira McNally. It's called Taking Care with Kira McNally. It's her kind of wellness column, and in it she just talks about kind of doing all these things like waking up and making sort of like lemon water for your morning to like cleanse your body, um, and it's just kind of describing the surroundings of her house just being covered in crap and actually how life is just very messy indeed but it's all it's just all written in a very clever way it's joyous it looks like nothing else out there it features people that you don't see in any of the magazines I think, um, it's we, great i'm sure i've mentioned this before but for me you know a, a, a great magazine creates its own little world its own little vision of yeah. a space that's no, nothing like anything else and it's that, like one big in joke does it. Yeah, yeah and you don't and, and but i sometimes that can be a little bit alienating but in mm. this magazine i just want to yeah. hang out with them i just want to know it is yeah you don't feel like you're being a dick or and they've you know, um, if you don't know it, perhaps the, the, uh, uh, the lovely symbol of, of, of the aesthetic that they're following is, is that um, Claire, uh, the, the artist behind it, has introduced a new mascot for the magazine. Now, if, if, when I say mascot, if you think about traditional mascots, if we're thinking about Eustace Tilly, the mascot that appears inside the New Yorker, uh, Monocle has Monochan, the big owl, which we've mentioned before, mm. flying home from Japan alongside the editor. <laughs> um, Esquire has Eski. Yeah. But so so, and when it comes to editorial magazine, what were they going to pick? And they picked. They've got a lovely little cabbage patch kid reading the magazine, <laughs> and that's their new. Uh, that's a new mascot. I spoke to Claire, who explained why she selected that. I love the idea of company mascots. Like, I think it's so weird that the public enjoys these kind of, like, corporate monsters and animals. And I've been thinking about who would be a good mascot for editorial. Like, someone with an open mind, interested in learning and looking at things. And I feel like Cabbage Patch Kids are a good aesthetic fit for editorial. Because they're, like, really cute, but kind of weird and creepy. And my choice of our new friend isn't totally random, because in the new issue, I wrote a piece called You're Not the Father, which covers the ugly past of Cabbage Patch Kids. Thanks for explaining that, Claire. And, and um, the mascot appears on the front cover and inside the magazine several times. There is even a little article about, as, as Claire explains in her piece, there's a little article about Cabbage Patch Kids um, which are not creepy at all. Not, not at all. Not at all. They're <laughs> lovely, cosy little things. Really cute. But as I said, so I mean, editorial magazine is very successful in creating its own little world. And we're going to move on now to the back issue, um, which is, is another magazine that very much created its own world, I think. Uh, Zembler was a literary magazine published between 2003 and 2005. Um, you hadn't seen it, but I showed you the, that front cover no. of that first issue was remarkable. The big I think set. one of the best covers I've seen in yeah. such a long time. With really Tilda Swinton and, and this big graphic representation. I wonder if it was if it wasn't Tilda, if I'd love it so much. Something about her face is just built for a magazine cover, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So angular. God damn it, Tilda. But I mean, it's, it's, it, it took uh, the idea of a literary magazine and made it much made it visual. And this was uh, you know uh, Dan Crow was the editor and founder. It was funded by a, a, a booklet called Simon Finch. Uh, and Vince Frost was the art director, and Vince uh, had been working for a respected name in publishing design, but he had a, a young assistant at the time called Matt Willey, um. who we know and very much for, for contemporary work. And Dan Crow and Matt Willey both, uh, so they worked together on this magazine, that formed the relationship which subsequently led to them launching um, Port magazine. Uh, and Matt ha Matt's been sort of in and out a little bit, because Matt has... I'm sure all our listeners know, is, is also the art director of um, New York Times magazine in New York, but he still keeps his hand in. He's been involved in Port over the years, 
Uh, but he's, the new issue, which is due out in a week or two, is, is he's back on it. He's designing it and art directing. And he's designed the whole thing, which is interesting. That that relationship is very strong and long-lasting. But it was all founded on, on the work from Zembler. I spoke to Dan earlier and asked him to look back on our behalf at the magazine. It just seems that we had a lot of fun um, doing it, both you know in terms of the design, uh, but also the, the commissioning. Um, it, it's incredible to me that we got... People like Tom Waits, Manolo Blahnik, Brian Eno, Zizi Packer to actually contribute to us. And I think part of the reason why they got involved is because we were having a lot of fun. I think the other thing that um, I enjoy uh, looking back on regards to Zembler is um, the sense of freedom we had. I think that's really important. Uh, Not knowing exactly what you're doing is often considered to be something bad. But I think going into something not knowing what it what it's going to look like, what it's going to feel like, or how it's going to resonate with its audience. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's really exciting, and it takes you to areas that, of course, you wouldn't have predicted. So I think with Zembla, you know, that freedom and and that that creative and design freedom as well was really refreshing, and it's something that I often um, miss, actually. Um, And a lot of the new magazines that are coming out now seem to be um, harnessing that um, and I think that's really exciting. You know, the whole point about a magazine is to get a group of people together and, and to be passionate about something and to and, and to create, um, in a way, new versions of that thing that they love. And, I, you know, it's something I look back at really fondly. Working with Matt Willey and Vince Frost on those issues um, was just great fun. And um, who knows, perhaps there'll be another literary magazine along the way soon. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dan, for responding so quickly to the request for that piece. And it's important to emphasize, I mean, the, you know, if you, if you manage to get hold of a copy of Zembler, you will find a lot of the kind of designs and typography that you would recognize from Port and New York Times. Mm. They're absolutely there on the pages in that magazine. So it was this very much the start of, of Matt Woody's editorial career. On that note... I think that's probably the end of the podcast. I think that's the end of, the end of this podcast. <laughs> so we're going to get back to planning for New York. Exactly. Lots um, to do. Lots to do. You need to buy a ticket. If, you, if you're in New York and are going to come, you need to come. You need to book a ticket. Uh, but we've got another podcast before then, so we'll see you yeah. soon on the podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. See you next time.